check out my new book, Reach All Readers at reachallreaders.com. When you pre-order, you'll get special access to my Science of Reading mini course. Learn more at reachallreaders.com. We have a special treat today on our Balanced to Structured Literacy podcast series. You get to hear from Jessica Farmer of Farmer Loves Phonics. She's active on TikTok and Instagram, and there she shares lots of helpful resources, links to freebies, examples of her lessons, so much wonderful information about her experience teaching first grade. I know you're going to love the insights that she shares today. So we'll get right into it after the intro. Welcome to Triple R Teaching, where we encourage you to think differently about education by helping you reflect, refine, and recharge. This isn't just about trying something new as you educate those entrusted to your care. We'll equip you with simple strategies and practical tips that will fill your toolbox and reignite your passion for teaching. It's time to reflect, refine, and recharge with your host, Anna Geiger. Hello, everybody. Today, I'm very excited to be talking with Jessica Farmer from Farmer Loves Phonics. You may have seen her on TikTok and Instagram. She is an exciting first grade teacher who has been sharing on social media about the science of reading for the past couple of years. And like everyone else we've been interviewing, she was in balanced literacy for quite some time. And she's open and honest about that. She's a great person to learn from. So welcome, Jessica. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. We're really glad to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about your, the way you taught reading before you understood the science of reading? So before I learned about the science of reading, I did a lot of look at the picture to figure out that unknown word. I had those posters on the wall, eagle eye, um, skippy frog, flippy dolphin. I taught a lot of those strategies. I used a lot of leveled readers. And funny, over time, I learned that phonics was kind of helping my my kids and so i started to kind of slowly do more but that was just on my own accord of what i saw happening so i feel like my brain kind of realized oh something's going on here this is this is making more of an impact and i started to use some decodables but i didn't really know the why Mm -hmm. i just knew this was helping my kids Um, and i was fully trained in um, guided reading I still have a book in my classroom that I'm not allowed to get rid of, but it's <laughs> I don't use it anymore. Um, so I very much followed those guided reading practices and taught those um, guessing strategies that I now know are not good strategies to teach kids. So I know you did that for about 10 years, and you said before we started recording that Emily Hanford's article, which I've mentioned to, to people many times, was kind of your eye-opener. Can you talk to us a little bit about you know, how you came upon that article and what your reaction was? Yeah, so I was in a first grade Facebook group and someone suggested, join this Facebook group. It's called the Science of Reading, what I should have learned in college. It's an excellent um, group and you can learn more about reading. So I joined this group and I just start reading everything that is posted. And I'm like, oh my goodness, let me read more and more and more. And the first thing I read was Emily Hanford's At a Loss for Words. And I start reading this article and my heart's just beating so fast because I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm doing all of these things that it's saying I should not be doing. And these are things that poor readers do, not good readers. And so I started inviting all my teacher friends into this Facebook group. You got to read these articles. You got to learn this information. 
because um, our district was very much balanced literacy. Mm -hmm. And in college, I learned balanced literacy. I didn't know in college that it was called that, but I took four reading courses in college and not a single one touched on anything I learned from that Science of Reading Facebook group. So that's what started it all. Well, I totally know what you mean by having a visceral reaction to that article because I know it made me actually feel sick. And when I first joined that big Science of Reading Facebook group, which is awesome, but you do need to have a little bit of a thick skin because some people are pretty opinionated. Um, I would, I would mm -hmm. literally have like a tightness in my chest and I could only go in for about 10 minutes a day until, and then eventually I, like you said, yes. there's just so much. Now I go in there often and I just sign up for all the free webinars and put them in a folder and I watch all the recordings when I can. And it's, it's a great source of free PD and some of it you pay for, but it's pretty inexpensive. What, um, when you were learning all this, this was during the pandemic, right? When you were doing your big yes, learning. Yes. Around January of 2020 is when I found the Facebook group. Mm -hmm. So did you, did that, does that mean that you started changing how you were teaching virtually or when did the, when did this start to impact your instruction? Uh, I think as soon as I started reading about strategies that might be harmful, I kind of slowly started to make that shift. And I was already kind of delving into decodable readers and more of the phonics, but I didn't know much about phonemic awareness and those foundational skills that come before. Um, and I had maybe heard phonological awareness a few times in college. Some of the guided reading books touch on that, but it's more of just, oh, you know, you can do a couple activities here and there. It wasn't, you know, that explicit systematic that builds upon each other. It was just kind of sporadic and random. And, mm -hmm. You know, you can count syllables or you can rhyme, or, uh, but there was nothing systematic about it at all. Um, so then by March of 2020, we were going on spring break. I went to the Teacher of the Year banquet because I had gotten Teacher of the Year that year. And then we went on spring break and they said, you're not coming back for, you know, we don't know yet, maybe a week, maybe two weeks. And so uh, we took a week and we learned how to do some things online. We learned how to post assignments and things. We weren't doing full virtual teaching because there just wasn't enough time to train us on that. And public schools had never really done that before. It was completely new. And we were using Microsoft Teams, which was originally made for businesses, not for schools. Mm -hmm. So it really wasn't super user friendly. Um, and during that time, that's when I started my TikTok and I started making phonics TikToks for my students because we weren't finishing out the year and there was so much more to learn. Yeah. I was learning all these new things. And so that's kind of um, where my social media presence began was in March of 2020. That is awesome. I'm sure they just love that. Um, mm -hmm. Can you, like I've seen on your Instagram, you get really practical, which I'm sure people love the way you walk through how you do your small group lessons. Can you talk us through a little bit about what it looks like teaching reading in your classroom? And also, you know, do, you, do your students transition out of decodable books during the year or what's your, what's your perspective on when to let go of the training wheels? So this year has been very different of all years because um, a lot of our students were virtual last year, might have been virtual the whole year, might have been virtual half the year, meaning they were at home learning via computer. And so the instruction was maybe not the same, um, you know, internet issues, 
logging on in, mm-hmm. in time, uh, attendance problems with the virtual learning. It just was a very disrupted year. So a lot of our students right now are lacking a lot of those foundational skills. And they also missed that fourth quarter yes. of whatever their previous year was. Mm-hmm. Um, so for my students, it would have been pre-K that mm-hmm. they missed the end of pre-K, anybody who attended that. So we're just seeing a lot of gaps in learning this year. Mm-hmm. So this year I have not let go of decodables mm-hmm. at all because I just don't have anybody there yet. Mm-hmm. But in other years, I have had students who would be ready to let go. I do have to level my students. It's a requirement. I, it's not my favorite assessment, but we do give a leveled A through mm-hmm. J assessment for first grade. And so I would say anybody who is maybe H and above, mm-hmm. who has learned most of those 44 phonemes, they're probably ready to start digging into some other books. Um, and I am totally for free choice at the library. I mm-hmm. don't dictate what my kids get. When we go to the library, you pick a book that interests you. You take that home and share it with your parents. Um, and in the classroom, my library is also free choice. Pick what you want. Mm-hmm. But at my small group table, it's the text that has the patterns that they've learned so they can really dig into those skills that we've been working on. Could you talk to us a little bit about how many groups you have, how you, how often you meet with them, just all the logistics people love to know. Mm-hmm. So I'm lucky to have a good, nice small group. I have 17 students this year. Florida's cap is 18, which I know some states have no cap on their class size. We're lucky to have class size, although they can go over the class size, but primary grades are maxed at 18 students. We do have high English language learner population in Florida. So we have a lot of speakers of other languages. So I think that small class size is really important in our state. Um, And so my groups are between three to five students. It depends on where they're at and they kind of are fluid. I will shift kids frequently. If I see someone gaining some traction, you know, oh, I'm going to bump you up to this group that's working on Magic E because you're really uh, grasping that from whole group already. So let me move you up while this group's still working on consonant blends at the beginning and the end. Um, So I have about five groups right now. Sometimes it was four. Sometimes it might only have been three groups. Sometimes it might be six groups. It really just depends on um, how they're fitting at the moment. And I rotate through two groups in the morning. I was only doing one group in the morning, and then we have special intervention time in the afternoon okay. where we kind of shift kids around and um, group those kids based on needs, but we can switch classrooms at that point. So if there's a child in this classroom and this classroom and this classroom that all kind of fit together, then let's shift those kids for intervention and put them together so we can really dig in to what that those kids need. So since you're working with other teachers, kids can be seen more often, you're basically saying. Yeah, yeah. We kind of share share uh, the wealth. Yeah, and, that's awesome. And uh, we're lucky to have support staff as well. Can you tell us what are what are some of the biggest bang for your buck activities that you do in your small groups that you would feel like you've just seen the biggest difference in using those? Yeah, I love word chaining. That is the 
big activity and my kids love it too, but it's excellent because you are building that phonemic awareness at the, at the start. You say the word, they repeat the word, they can tap out the word or stretch the word, and then they're spelling the word. So then you're working on the decoding as well and, the, and then the encoding, the spelling of it. So I love word chaining. There's different ways you can do it. You can do it with letters, you can do it without letters, depending on uh, the group of students that you're working with. I tend to do it with letters for all my kids that know at least their basic letter sounds. You definitely could start with letters. Um, you might not want to use letters for kids that are uh, don't have solid foundation in that um, sound symbol correspondence. You might want to just use chips mm -hmm. to begin with before they're ready to include those letters. But that definitely is an activity that I use almost daily. And it doesn't take a ton of planning as long as you have that list of words that you're going to chain um, and you've got your, you know, a, a paper that you're going to word chain on, which I have in my TPT store, um, and I have a free one, <laughs> um, then word chaining is excellent because you're hitting so many components and you can really see who is able to manipulate those sounds and who's struggling to change that one sound each time you're changing the word. So if, if, um, I know on your, in your Instagram, you're always sharing things like places to get lessons, places to get decodables. Where do you go first? Just, or are you, are you just on a bunch of mailing lists? Like how do you, how do you stay on top of where to find things? So that Science of Reading Facebook group really is what started um, my compilation of all these free resources because as a teacher, you know, our budget is very limited mm -hmm. and sometimes we spend all our money at the beginning of the school year. I know in Florida, we're given like a little stipend of money and we get that at the beginning of the school year. But once you spend that, then it's all your own your own money and teachers spend so much of their own money on supplies so i thought you know what all these people are sharing these great resources that are free let me compile them and so i started like my first link tree okay and i was just linking every single thing that i could find and searching that group for free resources and then over time i just kind of just anytime something would pop up add it to the link tree something pops up it to the link tree and that kind of I kind of became like the freebie finder and I know um, some people have called me like the freebie queen on Instagram because <laughs> I'm always finding freebies and sharing them because I just know that teachers they need that especially towards the end of the school year well so is the link tree something that there's just a URL for that somebody can just go for and see all your recommendations it's always linked in my bio on TikTok or Instagram awesome so when I link to your Instagram account in the show notes, people will be able to find all the resources. And that's great because we can trust you. <laughs> we know that you they're vetted by somebody yes. who understands. What are some of the- Yes, and I've used them all. Yeah, that's, that's also good, kid tested. Can you tell us if someone was new to the science of reading, besides joining the Facebook group, which I think is something good to do, but is a little overwhelming for someone who's brand new, any particular books that you would recommend people getting started with? I love recommending Uncovering the Logic of English. It's not a difficult read. Uh, it could be overwhelming because of all the rules and if you never learned those when you were in school, like I did not learn the spelling rules in school and I was a terrible speller because of that. Mm -hmm. um, 
it could be overwhelming because of that, but it's actually a really easy read. Mm -hmm. And it's a good one because it teaches you all the spelling rules as you're reading, but it has also some of that basic science of reading information at the beginning of the book. And it's a good reference to have, mm -hmm. you know, um, just to have those 31 spelling rules right there. So that's usually um, a go-to. Um, anything by Kilpatrick, Motes, um, uh, Anita Archer, mm -hmm. all excellent people to look for when you're uh, looking for a science of reading book. And I do have um, an Amazon favorites page. Okay. And I have a section of called PD books. So okay. if you click there, I put tons of books. I have not read them all. Can't afford to buy them all at once. <laughs> so I'm slowly chipping away. I have read Speech to Print. I've read Uncovering the Logic of English. I've um, read some Kilpatrick books. So um, I'm just kind of chipping away and finding the time to read as well. But again, podcasts are great. Amplify has yes. free podcasts. Um, Voyager has free podcasts. And I love that you're doing these podcasts with all these science of reading influencers. So that's exciting. So tell us about um, starting to create things for Teachers Pay Teachers and what, what inspires you to decide what to create. So I, for years, wanted to start a Teachers Pay Teachers. I just didn't really know where to begin. I was always creating my own things for my classroom, but I just never thought anybody would want them. <laughs> so I just thought, why am I going to spend time opening a store? No one's going to look at them. No one's going to buy them. And I didn't have a social media mm -hmm. presence. Um, and then once I started making videos and showing things I was doing in my classroom and people were like, can I buy that? Where do I get that? Yeah. I was like, oh, I, I just, I just made that myself. You would, you would buy that? Really? <laughs> oh. And so as people started asking me that more and more and more and more, I talked to my husband and like, do you think I should start a store. People keep asking me if, if I sell this stuff and, and I don't sell it. Do you think I should sell it? <laughs> and he's like, sure, why not? And I just like dove in and I thought, what do I need? And mm -hmm. the first thing I needed was things for my small group table. Yeah. Cause I was pulling all these resources and I'm like, this is just taking me a lot of time. Why don't I just make something that I can use and maybe people will like to use it too because small groups is always the thing I was being asked about, mm -hmm. you know, what do you do in small group? How do you structure your small group? If we're not supposed to do guided reading. What are we supposed to do? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, I think I can um, make a really nice lesson plan to follow and then mm -hmm. maybe some activities to go with it. So that was kind of my first idea was let me make some small group resources for people because that's what they need. Well, and it, like I said, it's really great that you're in the trenches. People know that you've tried it and you know that it works. Um, we will definitely in the show notes, link the books that Jessica recommended. Also um, some of her link, her Instagram accounts. You can check out her link tree and also her small group resources on TPT. And then you can also explore the rest of her store. Thanks so much for joining us, Jessica. And we appreciate hearing about your experience with Balanced Literacy. And, and I'm sure we'll have a lot more people finding you on Instagram and TikTok. I'm so excited. I can't wait to, to meet new people who are on this journey as well and want to learn more because my page is always about, you know, always learning. We are always learning together. No one ever knows it all. I definitely don't know it all. So my page is always open for discussion. I answer every DM that gets sent to me. Very open. I'm very down to earth. So don't be afraid to reach out to me because I will, I will chat with anybody.
Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. You can find all of Jessica's recommendations as well as links to her content in the show notes, which you'll find at themeasuredmom.com forward slash episode 84. See you next time. That's all for this episode of Triple R Teaching. For more educational resources, visit Anna at her home base, themeasuredmom.com, and join our teaching community. We look forward to helping you reflect, refine, and recharge on the next episode of Triple R Teaching.